Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Can you hear me? Oh, good. That's good. That's a start, isn't it? Uh, I love that first song we sang. Did you? I, I love worshipping God and having an aerobics exercise at the same time. It, it, gets, it gets you pumped up in the morning, doesn't it? Yeah, it's great. Brilliant. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, how is everyone feeling this morning? Good. Can I ask you this question, though? Is anyone feeling anxious or just a bit upset or just don't know what's going on in your life at present? Well, if you feel like that, I just want you to just bear with me for like 20 minutes. I'm only going to be very short this morning. Uh, I'm going to be about 20, 25 minutes. I'm not going to be long, so I really want to spend some time in prayer after I've shared. And uh, I believe God wants to connect with people this morning. I woke up this morning... I don't know what was going on in me. It, you know, I just, a disturbance in the spirit, I suppose. But God was just saying something to me about the importance of being intimate with him, the intimacy with God. That sometimes we, we you know, we, we enjoy worshipping and it's all great and we're all fantastic. But sometimes we just need to have an intimate moment with God. I just got a sense that's what's going to happen this, this morning. So if you bear with me, I've I've, I've been asked to talk uh, on this series, let's talk about faith. And Josh spoke first on saving faith, Phil Pye on the test of faith, Christian on the gift of faith, and last Sunday Josh shared the life of faith. And uh, if you haven't been here in person, I I would really encourage you to go onto the podcast, go onto our website, click on media, look at the podcast, and just go back and listen to some of these fantastic sermons about faith. And I was asked uh, a couple of weeks ago if I could share on the victory of faith. So question, is everybody here this morning living in victory of faith? That's three of us then. Right, so for those who aren't quite sure, hopefully by the end of this, you'll begin to understand what it means about victory of faith. I googled victory just to see what the definition was. Because we think we know, don't we? And it says, an act of defeating an enemy or opponent in a battle, game, or competition. Now, first of all, we need to understand that although at present this country, Great Britain, United Kingdom, the great country of ours is not at war with any other country at the moment. And we pray to God that we never will be. But every one of us here, everyone, we are all indeed in a battle a daily battle for our spiritual lives. You need to understand that there's a very real enemy that wants to destroy us, that wants to stop us, that wants to contain and control us. And he has done ever since the start of creation when Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the devil, Satan, call him what you will, persuaded them to rebel against God. Because God says you can eat anything you want but just not from this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the devil came along, persuaded them to rebel against God. And ever since then, we've been in a battlefield because we're expelled from the Garden of Eden into this world. And the devil has just tried to drive a wedge between man and God. Now, God is a holy God, so when Satan persuaded man to sin, that's what happened we ended up in this battlefield of this world. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, it says this, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a battle. If you don't believe that, wake up. We need to understand that as Christians. We need to understand that we are in a battle every day. Somebody is trying to pull us away from God. Satan is trying to drive a wedge in to get us away from God. You know the very first victory in the Bible is mentioned in only the third verse of the Bible. 1 Genesis verse 3. Genesis 1.1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The spirit of God was hovering. The spirit is always hovering. He's always on the move. He's never static. He wants to move into your life as well. Then God said, verse three, let there be light And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. The very first word spoken by God. Let there be light. His words produced immediate victory as darkness and chaos gave way to the brilliance of light and order. Light was God's answer to the dominance of darkness. God's first words continue to be powerful in the lives of believers of Jesus today. With each dawning day, When we wake up, we open up those curtains and hopefully the sun is shining down. It's as if God is saying, let there be light in your life. It is therefore no coincidence that Jesus himself in John 9, 5 says, I am the light of the world. And that is what we are called to be. That's what we are called to be. We are called to be light in this dark world. The way we live the way we think, the way we behave, we can change the spiritual atmosphere from one of darkness, oppression, falsehood, fear, which many people are used to living under and don't recognise it because they're so used to living on that way. We can, we can change the spiritual atmosphere to one of light, of freedom, of truth, because we can have victory over our circumstances through our faith in a faithful God. I came across this um, strip cartoon in the Daily Express last week. We buy the Daily Express because we like to go to Costa Coffee and we sit down and we do the crossword, don't we? And I always like, I like to look at the strip cartoon and uh, it's of uh, Calvin and Hobbes. I don't know if you've ever seen it before by Bill Watterson. And this little, sometimes mischievous little boy has a stuffed tiger called Hobbes. And yet Hobbes is very real to Calvin and they have these wonderful conversations with themselves and adventures And Calvin really thinks that Hobbes is alive. And in slide one, Calvin says, most people just muddle through their lives. They're passive and unmotivated. They lack ambition and drive. Do you know something? That grabbed my attention. I thought, oh, I know someone like that. Slide two, Calvin says, not me. I'm going to... No, slide two. Not me though. I'm going to have an epic life. I'm going to wrestle the issues of the age and change the course of history. And he, wow. I just thought, yes, 
Go for it, Calvin. What an ambition to hold on to. Such determination in his face. I just love that youthful exuberance, the potential there is in that young life, just waiting to be nurtured, mentored, empowered and released. I just wanted to cheer Calvin on and say, yes, go for it, Calvin. The world is yours. Seize the day. Go and live a life of victory. Then Hope says, slide three, how are you going to do that? Good question. How are you going to do that? And Calvin says, I'm going to sit here and wait so opportunity will know right where to find me when it's time to change the world. Oh, I'm going to sit and wait. Hmm. Sit and wait. You know, there can be real danger when we sit and wait. Sometimes you get so used to sitting and waiting that when it is time to stand up and seize the opportunity, you miss the chance because we have become so comfortable sitting and waiting. I've got to hold my hand up. I am prone to be a guy that sits and waits. The wife's nodding her head vigorously. No need to nod it that vigorously, thank you. But I do. And it's something that God is challenging me on. Sometimes I I wait for God to come to me rather than me stepping out and going to God. Slide four. Hope says, (laughs) I've got slide four, mate. I wish I bought a book to read. (laughs) He's getting bored already. And Calvin said, nah, it'll be any minute now. Opportunity will knock. Humorous, but sadly, how often is that the reality of many of us? I know it hit her nerve with me because sometimes I'm so prone to just sit and wait for things to happen. Many people know and understand about faith. They may have a relationship with Jesus and yet still at times still suffer from a victim mentality. They concentrate on what has happened to them in the past. They burden themselves up with the baggage of the past. They can't take their eyes off the circumstances that surround them and focus on how bad life is and how bad, how big their problems can be rather than looking up and seeing how big our God is. And we need to understand that he is for us, not against us. He has plans for us to prosper us and to do us good. He wants us to live in victory of faith. Now, if we want to see evidence of how to live victory, uh, a life of victory of faith, we just need to turn to the Bible. This book is jam-packed full of ordinary people living in victory because of their faith in God. What about Moses? An elderly man with a speech impediment was sent by God to Pharaoh in Egypt to ask for the release of the Israelite slaves. If you know the story, Moses went at first quite reluctantly, but after the 10 plagues were sent to Egypt, Pharaoh released the Israelites and Moses took them to the Red Sea. What a problem. Got the chariots chasing them, a sea in front of them. They were trapped. But Moses lifted up the staff and commanded the waves to part. And they passed on dry land and then the chariots after them were washed away. That is victory of faith. That is victory of faith. What about David, the shepherd boy, facing the giant Goliath with only a slingshot and a few smooth stones? When King Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. David said in 1 Samuel 17, 37, 
The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David had faith in his God. David wasn't passive. David stepped forward and stepped up to meet this challenge. I am sure you know the story. David was so victorious. And you can see that David lived a life of victory. He was flawed. He made mistakes. He sometimes got it very, very, very wrong. But he lived a life of victory because of his faith in God. What about Jonathan and his armour bearer who climbed up the hillside towards the Philistine army? In 1 Samuel 14 it says, Jonathan said to his young armour bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few. Armour bearer said, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Isn't it nice to have a partner with you? That's with you, heart and soul. And Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there till we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. And if you know the story, that is exactly what happened. Jonathan and his armour bearer didn't sit and wait for the opportunity. They got up, they stepped out, they stepped up and they saw God move in a mighty way. These two young men, full of faith, moved forward. Those in the camp and the field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, it said that the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God and two men routed an old army. That is living in victory of faith. Or about Daniel thrown into the lion's den because he refused to pray to King Darius. And God closed the mouths of the lions so that Daniel may know victory of faith. What about Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego? Three young men captured by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. In the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And they started working for the king in his place, a position of responsibility. They had been captured. They were prisoners. And yet they were living a life of victory. Something about them, although they were captured, they put themselves to work. They did the best that they could do. Whatever was asked of them, they did the best that they could do. And King Nebuchadnezzar recognised that and put them in a place of position. Daniel chapter 3 tells us how there was a gold statue made of King Nebuchadnezzar that a decree went out that at the sound of music everyone should bow down and worship. And if anybody was found not to bow down and worship this golden statue, they were to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Now if you know the story, it wasn't long before these three young men were sent before the king because they refused to bow down. And he respected them. They were working in his palace. They were not bowing down. They were brought into his presence. And he was asked if it was true that they would not bow down and worship. And this is what it says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even... If he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. 
even, even if he does not. You know, if, you know, if they went into the flames and God didn't save them, they were still living in victory. They were still living in victory. But God is able to save. And look what happened. Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and his attitude towards them changed. So one minute, he's got this attitude that these, these lads are good. These lads are faithful. These lads are honest and true. I'm going to put them in a position of power. I'm going to put them in a position in my palace. But all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. His attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Boy, was he angry. He commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. What a situation to be in. What a situation to be in. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't these three men that we tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like, a son of, like the sons of God. You know when the heat's turned up? You can expect God to turn up. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High. Oh, he's changed his attitude. How quickly he's changed his attitude. Servants of the Most High, God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, the prefects, the governors and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God. Oh, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. What a switch. What a turnaround. From anger to awe in less than what? Two minutes, three minutes. That's the effect that God can have. That's about living in victory. Victory of faith. This is how we are called to live. Now in reality, we are not ever likely to have to escape from a country where we've been held slaves for year after year. We're unlikely to have to face a, a giant in mortal combat, hopefully. Or be thrown into a den of lions or, or into a fiery furnace. But each and every one of us faces challenges and trials in our lives. Excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Sorry. 
We may have to escape from a life of addiction to drink or drugs, pornography, violence or whatever. We may have to face difficult situations at work or at home where the heat is turned up so much that we feel suffocated, hopeless, worthless. We may at times have to face situations not of our own making. We may have to face situations that are not good and not wholesome. That is where our faith in God becomes so important. So that when trial and tribulations come, we can stand and face them and experience victory of faith. You see in this brilliant book here, and it is a brilliant book, if you've never read it, I'd encourage you to take it and read one. If you've not got a Bible, we'll give you one. Just go to the uh, prayer point at the back and we'll, we'll give you a Bible to read. It's brilliant. In this brilliant book, we have some wonderful examples of ordinary people living a life of victory. And there are many more examples than, I, than I've just shared, but perhaps the most impressive, the most important is the example that Jesus gave us. In 1 John 5, 3, 5, it says this. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus Fully God and yet fully man came to this earth not only to show us how we should live and how we should love one another but he showed us how to live in victory of faith. Jesus fought such an incredible battle on our behalf. We know that he went willingly to face the cross that he died on that wooden instrument of torture so that we may have victory over this world. Hebrews 12 says this Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The cross and the grave are often seen as the signs of victory over death. And quite rightly so, but I believe the battle was already won. The battle was already won when Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, went into the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he took his disciples with him. And he said, wait and pray. And he went and prayed. And he came back and the disciples had fallen asleep. And he said, can't you even wait? Can't you even pray for an hour? I'm being tormented. Pray. So he went away again. They came to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. There's a great scene in The Passion of Christ. I don't know if you've seen the film by Mel Gibson in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's praying and the devil's there and the devil's saying, who are you? And this snake slithers and Jesus stands up from his prayer looks at the devil and just crushes the head of the snake. That's what Jesus did. That's where the victory was. Not my will, but yours. That's where I believe the battle was won in prayer. 
Jesus surrendered his life over to God. That is how we can know victory of faith when we surrender our hopes and dreams and ambitions to put our whole trust in God. Not what we want, but trusting that God has always, always got our best interest at heart. That love that Jesus has for me and you is so special. Jesus said he was going away and we will return one day. In the meantime, he would leave us with his Holy Spirit, the counsellor, the comforter, so that we might know the depth of his love. The Holy Spirit wants to keep us more and more in these dark, uncertain times we live in so that we can live in victory of faith. Time's running very short. I've just got three very quick things I would just want to, to share with you. And it starts with W-I-N. Win. If you want to win in life, then W, worship, opens up the doors of opportunity. When we worship God, he opens up the doors that appear to be so firmly closed, just like they did for Paul and Silas when they were badly beaten up and imprisoned. And at midnight, they started to praise and there was an earthquake. The chains fell off. The locked doors, secure doors were flung wide open. What an opportunity. The jailer rushed in and Paul said, don't harm yourself. We're all, we're all here. And the jailer and all his family gave their life to Jesus because of worship. When we begin to worship, something happens. I, intentionality, is the wedge that keeps the doors of opportunity open. When we, set, when we get up from our sitting and waiting, we are intentional and step out and step up to face the challenges of everyday life. That's then when we begin to make a difference. We know God. We have found freedom. We have discovered our purpose, the reason why we are living. And now we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and make a difference in our community. And then N, now. Now is the time to put your life in order. Don't put it off. Don't sit and wait. Now is the time to do something new and fresh and exciting. Now is the time to put all your trust and hope in the faithful, trustworthy God. Now. That's how we win in life. Often I hear a misquoted quote from the Bible that says, resist the devil and he shall flee. That's a misquote from the Bible. Because we can't resist the devil not in our own strength the quote says submit to God resist the devil and he shall flee that's when we get to know victory when we submit everything over to God it's as simple as that